Welcome to Punk Frockers, a community sewing podcast brought to you by Jenny Hassler and Beverly Baptiste. Good morning, Beverly. How are you? I'm doing great. Jenny, how are you doing? I am doing great. We are recording this on New Year's Day, which means we are starting the year off right by getting together to talk about sewing. What could be better? Yep. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Um, This month, uh, we have um, two sponsors we'd like to talk about. Three, technically, but whatever. Um, Sponsor number one, we've got Sheila O'Kelly with SheilaO'KellyDesigns.BigCartel.com, who's offering any of her large circular makeup bags and she'll ship them anywhere in the world. Now I have received one item from Sheila uh, that she made and these are so meticulously made. They, they are amazing. They're definitely better than me having to make them myself. (laughs) So I think this is an amazing prize. Yes. I am so excited to offer this. I love Sheila Kelly and I love the work that she does Um, She does such beautiful, careful work, and um, I'm sure anyone will love any of the large circular makeup bags, and she has several prints to choose from, so go check out her website. I think that's amazing. I'd also note that those large circular makeup bags are the perfect size for putting a selection of Legos in and carrying with you in your purse for mealtime with small children. They (laughs) open up circularly. It's a clean play space to play on and you can pull them back together. So just a side note for those who are not makeup users, it it has many other possible uses, including Legos. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. You go, you go with this one. Okay. So this month, um, for those that don't know, Terrence Williams is, um, trying to sell 500 headbands in order to buy a, um, a, a new sewing machine. And Terrence makes his, he was a, a guest on the show. You should go back and listen to a show. If you haven't listened to it, we should probably know what episode that is. Um, but <laughs> um, but he wants to sell 500 headbands. He sold already like half of them that he needs to sell in order to get this sewing machine. So Punk Frockers is going to um, send one of his headbands anywhere um, in the world. He will ship them. And um, we are going to sponsor that this month for a lucky winner. In addition, um, oh, it's episode 13. Um, in addition, that was really early. I didn't realize we interviewed him so early. Um, in addition, uh, if you purchase a headband on your own and send us proof that you did that, um, or just probably tell us, we probably will believe you. Uh, we will send you a. It sounds like us, doesn't it? That we would just be like, no, no, we know you did it. A photo of you wearing the headband, a copy of your receipt, just your honest statement that you did it. Uh, <laughs> we'll send you a Punk Rockers label because we really like to encourage folks to help Terrence out um, to get his new sewing machine. Absolutely. And I did see as of uh, yesterday evening, I think it was, but it may have been this morning. He is halfway there, halfway there, 250, which is amazing that uh, that call for selling that many went out 10 days ago. So awesome. um, so that's super awesome. Really excited uh, for Terrence getting halfway to the goal in 10 days. Hope we can help push him a little bit further down the line. And then finally, if you'd like to sponsor our podcast, and you have something you're willing to offer to ship worldwide via email or real shipping, um, please contact us on Instagram or email us at punkfrockers at gmail.com. We don't charge you anything for this, but of course we talk about your product each week for four weeks, typically five weeks during some months, and we get about 1,500 downloads per week. So um, at the moment, it, it's a pretty reasonable value for you. It just costs you what it is you're willing to give to the community in exchange for their participation in our challenges. So please, uh, please give it some thought. And if you want to support us, you can go to patreon.com slash punk frockers. Absolutely. What have you been sewing, Jenny? Okay. So first off, um, we just started with a minimum 60 inch hip requirement for patterns. So I have to lead by saying that I, that I'm sewing some things I can't talk about um, because I have not adjusted my personal practice 
to patterns that are 60 inches and, and higher, um, which is completely bizarre because I've spent so much of my sewing life above 60 inch hip and you would think that'd be a thing I do, but still anyway. So I do, do want to note that this is going to cause me to have to stretch how I do things and maybe even to some abandon some patterns that I've, I've often used, um, while also naturally asking those designers to step up and make sure they're expansive to at least a 60 inch hip. Um, but the other thing I've been working on is ponchos and wraps and um, shawls, things like that, because I layer during the winter, during cold months, and we've just come through a very cold period for much of the United States, certainly. Um, and when temperatures drop, drop to zero, which is not a number I ever see on a thermometer in my area, mm-hmm. when they drop to zero, I needed to go ahead and wear something on top of my dresses and other items. I don't normally wear winter garments. That's not a a thing for me. Um, But I felt like I needed to layer some. So I was wearing these great sweatshirts that I got from Katie Cortman. And then I was layering on top of them shawls and ponchos that I made myself. So I've made several of those using jacquard fabrics primarily that I got from places like Core Fabrics. Um, and I've really, really been enjoying what I've been doing with them. And then I thought, oh, I bet I could make a pattern for this because these are super duper simple. This is like cut some shapes, do some things with them, call it a day. And so I'm working with an artist that works for the company that I work for, um, to illustrate what I hope will be like a single, a single sheet. Here's how you could do the things you've seen me putting on my Instagram, which I think will be super fun. So I'm enjoying both parts of that, right? I started with my usual sketch on a piece of of paper of these really terrible like images to show what it was I was trying to tell the story of making the garment with and sent them off to the artist. The artist sent me back what they called a very rough draft. I thought, oh my God, even your stick people are better than my stick people. (laughs) (laughs) It's, I don't even understand how that's a thing. I mean, sick people should all be relatively equal. They are not, just side note. Um, <laughs> but I'm really, really excited by it. I've been enjoying that. I'm also... Um, wait, wait, before you move on from that. Yes. Um, is that going to be a pattern that you put up for sale? Um, it is not. It's going to be a pattern I give away. Oh, um, now I am going to give it away in exchange for signing up for my newsletter. <laughs> so the newsletter subscribers will get a copy first. And then as you sign up, that'll be a thing you can get in exchange for signing up. Nice. Um, the newsletter is really low key because I've only actually sent one update out <laughs> and I've had the newsletter for a month. So it's not a big spam, uh, <laughs> spam <laughs> but that's my intent is to have it available in that way. And I'm, I'm developing right now two of those little guys. Um, to go with everything else I'm doing. So it's, it's been fun. Um, I am feeling like I need to get some more sewing, sewing done, but so much of what I'm doing right now, I can't talk about either because it's not expansive enough or because it's for others and I'm not allowed to speak about it yet. So there you have it. How about you? What are you doing? Well, um, I have a couple of makes I haven't talked about that were Christmas gifts. Um, I actually made one of them after Christmas, but, um, the first one is the Merchant and Mills Billy vest. Um, I made that for Jim and, um, it is, uh, uh, I'm just now wondering if it's the size is okay on that. (laughs) Let's go find out. (laughs) Um, It goes to a 50 UK 54. I don't know what that means. Probably Remember we had this this trouble last time. Yeah. Where we couldn't find the pattern, uh, the sizing. Yeah. I just want to make sure before I go through all this. I mean, that's, that's the, uh, that this is a hundred percent the problem I've been having. Um, Not that it's a bad problem. It's just, you know, Okay. It is a cute vest, but my guess is we're going to find that it doesn't. But remember, there was a. I know. Okay, come on. Why do they make this so stupid? Oh, it's click fabric requirements. That's right. That's what it was. Down under fabric requirements, it's 58 and a half inch waist, and there's no hip measurement listed. So it goes up to 59 and a quarter chest. <laughs> <laughs> 
That's the finish. Um, Hold on. Let's see. Oh yeah. That is finished. Never mind. Hip goes to 54 and a half. Doesn't make it. Okay. Bummer. Okay. All right. So, so so you made a lovely garment for Jim and um, let me start over. Okay. (laughs) All right. So I made a best for Jim for Christmas and I used um, fabric that I got from domesticity, um, which is Merchant and Mills um, dry oil skin. Have you ever? Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. I I mean, I haven't used it, but I, I've, I know what oil skin is. So, okay. Yeah. So this is a little bit uh, probably easier to work with than regular oil skin. It's a drier texture and you're not supposed to iron it at all, but I did because it had all sorts of creases in it. And I thought it would look better if I put a little heat on it. So I did. Um, and I got, it, it's a lined best. And on the inside, I have um, this Dear Stella um, quilting cotton, which is, um, kind of a, it's like ocean scenes trapped in bottles. It's really cool. Oh um, yeah. You can so like my- ships in a bottle type thing. Right. Yeah. Kind of, but it's like ocean scenes instead of an actual ship. Anyway. Um, and they kind of look like apothecary bottles. It's pretty cool. So I made that and Jim loved it and he's worn it already a couple times. And I know it was a hit because he's asked for additional colors. Hmm. Um, so uh, I guess the key is just to buy something for him that it's like 50 bucks a yard, you know, and then he'll like the, the product. (laughs) I mean, I will say, I don't think that's a bad path for being certain someone will like a thing you make because, because honestly, that's, that's one of my learning points over the last year, right? Is that the quality of fabric really makes a difference. And so I typically buy the best quality I can afford for the use that I have intended. And yeah. so that doesn't always mean the most expensive fabric, but it's, it's depending on the use I'm, I'm aiming for something higher quality. If it's a thing that I anticipate a lot of use out of. So neat. And luckily mm-hmm. um, the vest didn't require all of the fabric that I had. Um, it actually didn't require that much fabric um, and because the lining was separate. And so, you know, it, it was really yeah. a small amount. And so then I made a matching green style adventure bag, which sounds a lot more complicated than it is. It's essentially a fanny pack with a zipper in the front and a zipper on top and a pocket inside. And I used the same fabric, the oil skin on the outside, and then the quilting cotton on the inside, um, and to make a matching one for him. So He's already used it, so I think he likes it, and I'm pretty pleased with myself that I can make fanny packs now. I I think that's amazing. I still have not made the Sand Hill sling bag or whatever. Oh, it's so great. And I, I want to. I've got the fabric sitting right here. I've got the kit for it. I'm all ready to go, except that every time I think I'm going to do it, I'm like, oh, but I have this other obligation, so oh, I need to get yeah. it done, which is less fun, but sometimes necessary. So, so yeah. there you have it. I um, gave my mom hers for Christmas. And the funny thing is my mom knows I make everything, but it took her a while to understand that I made it. And she was like, wait, you made this? So it was pretty <laughs> awesome. There's something about bags that feels more magical. You yeah. know what? If you're making all your own clothing, I mean, that's fine, but you're not making your bags. You're not making your shoes. Mm-hmm. So if you do either of those things, suddenly it's like a, it's a weird skill up feeling, right? Yeah. I, um, yes, I, I, I'm, I'm just now learning, like there's, especially like bags that have this kind of gusset around them, you have to kind of clip them to get them to sit. And I was realizing, you know, it reminds me of how, um, you know, how it was to, to set in a sleeve when I first started and how difficult that was and how it was like, I would rather sew without set in sleeves because it just seemed too hard. And now it's just a thing I do without doing the gathering or anything I can set in pretty much any sleeve as long as, you know, it's not a gathered shoulder or whatever. And so I know I'll get better at it, but, um, it is a little bit tricky to do. Yeah. Yeah. I, I know you've mentioned that and it's made me wonder whether or not I'd have to pull out pins. Yeah. (laughs) So I bought some clips because I always use pins, but the oil cloth, not so great for that. Right. Yeah. No, 
onto you don't yeah. want to put these and and I don't like pinning parallel to the like in the seam allowance right. so I like no, yeah. yeah so um so I got those little clippies um and so hopefully that'll help I did want to mention one thing that I I got um so my brother and I do this thing for Christmas where he buys his own gift from me and I buy my own gift from him and um this works out much better because my brother has very particular taste and expensive taste and so he can buy in other words I always get him a much finer gift than he gets me but <laughs> So this year, and my birthday is right after Christmas. So um, I get two gifts from from my brother. So I got for myself um, from Clume House, which is a bag store that sells full kits for making, they call them full makers kits. And I'll put it in the show notes, but it's, um, I bought one thing that is a wallet. Um and because Jenny has the privilege of recording with me, she gets to see it because I already made it. Um, so excited. <laughs> yeah. And so it is, it's just a simple wallet. Oh, wow, though. You made that? Yes, <laughs> I did. So um, that was for my birthday. Shit, Beverly. <laughs> what? And what? <laughs> it's so easy. Well, the wallet is super easy because they have a leather all cut out for you and the holes made and everything. So this is, this is really like a put it together. But, oh my God. Do you, okay. So I have to say, when you say that, do you remember putting together a comb holder for like your dad or your grandpa or somebody <laughs> as a child <laughs> where, they, where the holes were all there and then you laced through? Yes. The- yes. That's what it's like. And then also look at, I'm, God, you stamped it. <laughs> yeah, it has my name in it. So you are so like fancy. Yeah, just like when you're a kid. So, um, holy anyway, shit balls. <laughs> that's what my brother got me for my birthday. Isn't that sweet? He's and then, so nice. <laughs> yes. But for Christmas, he got me, it's called the Fremont bag. And it is lovely. Also, just FYI, they have, um, you can buy their regular kit or they also have seconds. And those are much discounted. And I think it's just like the oil skin might have some more scratches on it. It might not be exactly enough to cut it out, but enough, I mean, you'll have enough to cut it out, but it might be a little bit, uh, a little bit less on the seam allowance or something. I don't know. And, but you will have enough materials to do it. So they have full makers kits for this. So um, the Fremont one, for example, has leather straps. It comes with the leather straps. Um, so I am super excited to make that. And I think, I don't know. Bag making is kind of a fun, magical thing. Like you said, I am, I am over here looking at everything and I'm like, Oh my God, I know what I need to do now. <laughs> <laughs> I love that they come with a full oh, kit that has everything you need. You are going to be the death of me. Uh, <laughs> I love it so much. Yeah. That is amazing. And that is what I've always wanted is I want my kits to come just ready for me to make them for love of God. I, I don't want to have to source six other things that you didn't give me. <laughs> well, I kind of wish I'd found this before Christmas because they have like sets of three of the wallet and you could easily make this for a few people and it would be like, it's so easy to do. Yeah. It's, I mean, I did this, it came in. Um, and I, 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 I think it took me like less than an hour, like, you know, like uh, maybe a half an hour to make it. It was really simple. So, so one of, one of my wild Christmas gifts, since we kind of went off on a tangent there, I have gotten an Addy Express. So a knitting machine. That's the circle one that's for making hats. Or and, yeah. and you can buy a little attachment for it. I've done a lot of research since this showed mm-hmm. up. You can buy a little attachment for it so you can use your power drill instead of a crank. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh my God, I could be a hat making machine. Yeah. But it's so interesting. I've never thought about, like I've owned knitting machines before that are like keyboards. They're the okay. long and you uh-huh. go whoosh, whoosh. Yeah back and forth right but I've never owned one of the hat ones I always thought those were only 
Well, I know there are the sock machines and oh my God, I've always wanted one of those wonderful sock knitting machines mm-hmm. that are done with the tiny, tiny needles. They're metal. Yeah. They're from like a million years ago. You have to buy them refurbed. They were expensive 30 years ago. I can't imagine what they cost now. I've always thought that would be super cool, but this one's hat sized and I'm really excited by it. So I'm going to suggest to you, you look at Jen Guidley's Instagram and I will post that in the show notes as well. Awesome. She's a knitting designer. Um, I know her a few different ways, actually. I knew her first from scrapbooking and like many of the people that I followed in scrapbooking has transitioned to knitting and sewing and other things. Um, mostly she does knitting. She does, she's like I said, a designer, but she has one of those machines and at least somewhere on her uh, grid, you'll find stuff and maybe there's highlights or something about it. Uh, but oh, she- I, I just followed her. And <laughs> so, yeah, I'm, I'm hoping to see some stuff that's interesting there then. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. It just, it just hadn't occurred to me. And of course I can't, I can't knit by hand anymore. It's just too hard on my hands. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've always liked making little things. And this, there's a, you can do circles, mm-hmm. but there's a way you can put a stop in it. So you go one way and then go the other way. And that's one what way she does. And the she other does, way. She does some of that. So, and um, that just looks so interesting to me for the possibility of making scarves or sweaters or, or other things. Or like, um, squares for afghans or something you squares know for afghans yeah i'm i'm just really intrigued by this so that's going to be that's going to be an interesting thing to get to explore anyway sorry to take us okay. off of the sewing there for a second so we just have one new pattern to talk about right now um and this one is a another one from Laura pr these are the fair, uh, she calls them the Farrah pants. They're jeans. And um, she has, so there's a few great features. First of all, this is one of very few jeans patterns. that goes up to a 72 inch hip, which I think is a, yeah, a great thing. That's really amazing. Yeah. And um, you, it, it's a classic five pocket with um, two front pockets, one coin pocket and two back um, patch pockets. Um, it, they have, it's a high waisted jean. It's fitted at the waist, hips and thighs with negative ease until the knee. So you obviously stretch jeans. Um, the yoke is unique and, um, it's a, it's not a full, like it's the yoke only goes as far as where the, um, she's got darts in the back and the yoke doesn't extend. Usually the yoke extends all the way, the whole back. No, but I'm, yeah, I'm loving that because those darts will get you like for a hip waist ratio like mine yeah. will yeah. get you a better fit. Yes. Um, I mean, you can get that from mm-hmm. yoke too, but this yes, is but... an interesting way of doing it. Um, but there's also, there's three different leg styles. There's straight, wide and flare, um, which I appreciate because although you can do that yourself, it's kind of hard to get the proportions right on that. So it's nice that um, she has that in there. And it also comes with nine embroidery templates to make for your patch pockets. Cause I'm always curious about what to, you know, what, what yeah. to do here, you know? No, I completely love it. That's, that's amazing. I love that dart concept. Yeah. And I, I agree with you. You can change the proportions on your legs to make them fit however you want, but it's really hard to get that right. Especially in my opinion, on a flare. Um, I like the example picture that you've included because to me, that's that's kind of the fit I want from jeans. I want mm-hmm. the close fit at the thigh all the way down through my knees. And then I want something a little bit looser at that point. I don't want, I don't want leggings jeans. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Those are a completely different monster. So that's really wonderful. I love it. Um, but our big topic for this week is our usual retrospective of what the last year looked like for us personally in sewing. What did 2022 look like? And um, I'm really excited because, as you know, I keep that spreadsheet, which um, I'll try and remember to come back and put a link in here. But we have previously provided a link to the template for Mm -hmm. how I record my, um, my make so that others can use it if they're interested in it. I uh, went through and I made a bunch of beautiful charts with it, but I've really just given you the the raw data and not the pretty pictures, because it turns out if you do a lot of varied sewing, trying to represent that bar and circle graphs, pie graphs, 
is really hard. It's hard to see the detail there. So I've just stuck with lists. And for most of my lists, I have created a category called other where I've stuck things where I've only made one or two Mm -hmm. of the items because otherwise the list is really, really long. Yeah. Um, But I just want to start by comparing my makes in 2022 to the previous couple of years. Um, And I I had a typo here that I'm correcting right now. But in 2020, which is the first year that I recorded all year long, how many makes I made, I made 356. So just about one a day. Now, for the most part, what I did was made six each weekend and occasionally made something elsewhere in the week. But 356 for 2022. 2021, I really cut that back. I got down to 244. That was intentional in part because I was interested in making different things that had more features to them and slowing down a little bit using higher quality fabrics. I don't know. I might've met someone started a podcast or whatever and begun uh, pinning occasionally giving some thought to whether or not I should read the instructions. It just slowed me down is what I'm saying. And then in 2022, I also had a stated intent to make less but to make them better. And I did in fact slow down once again. I'm down to only 203 garments for the year, which which feels like a crazy low number to me. I don't know that I can go much lower, but we'll see. I think what's going to be different next year is that I'm hoping a good portion of what I make is stuff that I make intentionally for others. And and who knew that would be the case? Oh my God, that's crazy, right? And if that ends up being the case, then I would expect my number to maybe stay steady in that 150 to 200 range, but for a lot of that to be made with intent, not for me. Um, but we'll we'll see. Now, of those, I used a total of 664 and a half yards of fabric. Now that's an estimate based on what the patterns indicated they needed, or in the case of my self-drafted stuff, an estimate based on what I believe I consumed per garment. Um, So an average of 3.3 yards per garment. Of those garments, the 203, 155 were dresses. (laughs) (laughs) 23 were tops and 13 were skirts and the rest were just other stuff. Like there was a pair of pants or something in there. Yeah, there were just some other stuff. Yeah, so sure. there were there were a handful of pairs of pants. There was some shorts. There was a hat. Mm-hmm. Um, I made I made some ponchos and shawls. You know, I mean, it's just other for the rest of it because the rest was all just like onesie twosies. Um, and so that's what that stuck at. Um, any questions? You usually have questions. So I just no, 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 I'm following along. I'm following good so along. far. Okay, well. The other thing that I really paid attention to was I I made dresses by 34 different designers. Now, I will say when we get to your review, my 34 surprised me, except that then I remembered who I am, that I make deep within designers, right? Mm -hmm. So of the 34 designers, Karamiya was far and away number one. I made 60 garments designed by Karamiya. Now that's across multiple types of garments from Karamiya, although the majority of those were were the dragon fruit dress. And the yesterday, right? And the yesterday, yes. Yes, I think dragon fruit beat yesterday, but those were, yeah. So there are about four designs by her in that 60 garments. And then 44 of them were designed by me, which that's that's also a shocker because I have always been really firmly against self-drafting. Mm-hmm. because it pisses me off that designers don't design for me and I shouldn't have to self-draft. But I moved into self-drafting with a different picture in my head of what are things that I want for myself that aren't made for sizes above mine? And could I design that, grade it, and make that available somehow, probably by making dresses to others? And so that's that's what led to that. Um, and then the next biggest designer that I used was Made by Ray. I made 15 garments for Made by Ray, including quite a few that were test sews mm-hmm. um, for size expansions, particularly. Cashmere came in with 10 and Chris Wood sews with 10 as well. Everybody else was, you know, fewer than 10 is right. what I would say. Um, the big surprise for me here was that Cashmere didn't represent more of my makes in 2022 because previously they'd been a big winner. Mm-hmm. Um, but once I started midway through the year designing for myself and then previous to that really just fell for a couple of Chris, uh, sorry, of Caramia's dresses, there wasn't a lot of space <laughs> for well, other 
Also, um, you know, it used to be that Cashmere was one of the few pattern companies that you could purchase from. And so this represents a some progress because there's all these different companies. You didn't used to be able to purchase things from Jennifer Lauren handmade. Yep. Um, yep. That's true. And the Jennifer Lauren handmaids are primarily size expansions or new garments with that expanded size, which is exciting to me. I will say having gone and looked at some sizing today, that some of these designers are ones that we would not, the garments I made be able to talk about on the show with that 60 inch hip requirement. And so that's another place where there's definitely some more progress that can be made. And as part of why, when we started, we started with that 55 inch hip is because. And, you know, I've even noticed with those um, designers, for example, um, there's designers like Helen's closet that um, was one of the original ones we talked a lot about because they had patterns above 55 inch, but then they weren't actually to 60 inch hips, but now their new patterns are. So they're moving along, you know, expanding, um, their, their own personal requirements as the, as the times change. And I think that's fantastic. It is fantastic. And we do see a lot of that that's represented um, when we talk in a little bit about how many test sews I did last year, a lot of those test sews are designers that have chosen to extend their sizing. And generally, if they're asking me to test sew, it's because the hip size goes above a 62 or oh, at least to a 62. Because as I started the year, I was, I was a 62 inch hip. I've ended the year a little bit smaller than that, but it's, it's the, the number I'm known for is that 62 inch hip, which means that when people are asking me to test, that's probably part of why they're doing it. So I have a question for you. Okay. In regards to test sews, will you now have a requirement that they must go to a 60 inch hip? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I've actually always required bigger than me. You have to go at least one size further than whatever I am. And I still do think of myself in that 62 inch hip category. And let's so, say, for example, that you were well under that, would you still just have one size above you or would no. you have a 60 inch hip? What, one size above my max size would be a okay. minimum. A minimum. Okay. I'd prefer to see it go to 70, but that's been a little bit harder to mandate. Yeah. Um, it just isn't where most companies are right now, but I expect to see at least 62 and preferably higher okay. on each and every, each and every test. So, so that is, that is a place where I do have a requirement and I stick with it. And that's in part because for a lot of these companies, even when they're extending their sizes, because my chest falls within straight size sewing charts mm-hmm. frequently, not always, but frequently, um, it's, it's possible to reach out to me to do a test. So knowing that you have a free, free size on your skirt. And I don't do those. If the hip measurement still isn't right. doesn't matter to me if it's a free, if your pattern block doesn't include my body, I'm not going to test. So for you. So, um, I will tell you why you should change it. I'll bitch at you for free. Um, that's about it. (laughs) Good question. So the other big thing I was trying to lean into this year was different sources for my fabric because last year, fabric.com and Joanne made up 67% of my fabric purchase purchases, 67%. And it was, it was a real eye opener to me because I'd always shopped at small businesses, but I'd always fallen back on mm-hmm. Joanne's red dot clearance which I still adore. Like if I show up at a Joanne, I'm not even looking at the regular fabric. I just head back for red dot clearance. What's last season and 90% off. And that's, that's where I'm headed. But with fabric.com, which has gone away as of October of this year, now it's Mm -hmm. all on Amazon and impossible to search. And I hate everything about that, but it has made it a lot easier to not purchase from Mm fabric.com because it's it's just not available as a an easy resource for me any longer mm-hmm. um, as of October. But even allowing for that, I had already done a great job. So I had 47 different sources of fabric. And, uh, and that's for the things I made, not the things I bought. Keep in mind, my buying habit may look different than this because I'm looking around the room. As an example, Girl Charlie, I only made two garments out of. Mm-hmm. And I'm looking across my room and I see seven or eight fabrics I haven't sewn up from them yet. So I, I bought a lot more from them than I than I made. That is not the case for either Joanne or Fabric.com. Mm-hmm. I see very little 
in my room. Those tend to get sewn immediately. So in the end, 47 different sources of fabric, my single largest source of fabric, 20% of my makes came from fabricstore.com. 20%. Fabric Dash Store. It's the linen store. Yeah, Yeah, it's the linen store that Beverly introduced me to, curses. Um, (laughs) I am on my way to my second $100 point (laughs) point turn in. Oh, really? I am like a $30 buy away from that. And if I had realized that when I made my last order. (laughs) So, um, this is funny because I remember when I first told you about that and I, and I was like, but the shipping, you know, is pretty expensive and you can only get free shipping on such and such days. Um, so on, I think it's Monday and Wednesdays, they have free shipping over 150. I said, but you know, the other days you have to buy like a thousand dollars and you're like, well, I'll never do that. Oh my gosh, poor naive little me. <laughs> it's sort of like somebody buying a computer saying, I'll never need more storage than this. Oh my God. <laughs> I I love their stuff so much. And right now with doing ponchos, like I placed an order a week ago um, for their 19 inch wide fabrics, the ones that are usually used for dishcloths and other things, mm-hmm. because some really pretty jacquards in that way. Oh. And the way that I'm cutting out my ponchos and shawls, I only need 19 or 20 inches wide. Oh. And so I'm like, I'm going to give those a shot and see what I think. So, so I'm, I'm having some fun with it. Um, but uh, Joanne was 7%. My next largest number, fabric.com, was 6%. So I did combine to 13%, but that is a significant decrease from 67% yes. of purchases last year. Seams Fabrics was a 6%er for me. 4% of my fabrics that I used were gifted. Mm. That's why, right? Yeah. Domesticity amounted to 4%. Hello Friend Fabrics and Mood also 4%. Everybody else was less than that. But there were 47 different sources for my fabrics. That's awesome. Um, which I, I think is really amazing. Yeah, I was I was really pleased with myself. And of course, when you look at the types of fabric, no surprise, linen was my absolute favorite with 52 garments being made out of linen. Um, I didn't get super specific in the types of fabric, like cotton means woven. It's just like any woven cotton. It could be, it could be just about any old, you know, high quality, low quality, whatever. Um, I got a little more specific on some things. Like I I do list lawns and poplins and sateens, all of which are cotton for me. Um, Mm -hmm. But but far and away, linen was the biggest one, followed by a cotton woven, a cotton knit, and then rayon coming in at only 10 of the garments per year. Because, of course, rayon sucks. I mean, I I like the flowiness. Uh, there's a lot I like about mm-hmm. rayon. Sewing with it isn't my favorite. <laughs> Even yeah. I acknowledge that it can be a little bit hard to get it right, especially if you're sort of loosey-goosey about what you're doing in the way that I yeah. usually. Um, I was surprised French Terry didn't rate higher than it did. Um, it makes me wonder if I misclassified some French cherries as cotton knits, <laughs> but you know, whatever, it's kind of loosey goosey there, but linen far and away the best. That's um, absolutely thanks to Beverly. I would never have thought of sewing with linen because just in my brain box, linen is so expensive, so scratchy, so other and um, fabrics-store.com really turned me around on that, made me super aware of um, of how great that could be. So awesome. So, yeah. Well, this Um, year I kept track. Oh, sorry. Did you have one more? Okay. It's all good. 25% of what I made approximately was Tessos. Oh, wow. So of the 203, 57 were Tessos. Does that include um, Jenny Hassler Tessos? No, it does not. It only includes for others. It only includes for others, which means about a third of the things that I made for others that were others were Tessos, right? And sometimes it was multiples of the same garment. So Mm -hmm. um, I did a bunch of Tessos of the yesterday dress before it was ready to be released. And they were all Tessos. They were things where I was taking pictures, showing what happened, et cetera. Mm -hmm. Um, Sometimes it was where I had a couple times where a designer reached out to me on something I was not Tessoing and said they'd reached a point where they were struggling with larger body fitting and would I be willing to make something for my size to see what advice or comments I might have on that? Um, 80% of my test sews were paid. It's really uncommon these days that I participate in an unpaid test. So um, 
I I will still do unpaid test sews for certain designers, but generally speaking, I'm I'm just not. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think a lot of what I've learned through working with some designers really intensely through their process of releasing releasing patterns is part of why I don't know that I would release patterns <laughs> because because making money on pattern releases when it's a part time job for you when it's not your mm-hmm. full time profession that it seems really, really difficult to build that following, to have that engagement going consistently enough to do all these other things around it. Um, it's it's why if I look at releasing any patterns that I design, it would definitely be through someone else doing that part of it. <laughs> anyway, that's that's everything I did. I, I I have so many mixed feelings about it because... All the way up through about October, I really thought I was going to hit 250 this year, and I didn't. And it's it's partly because I just stopped to make all those bags and all those mm-hmm. napkins. It's true. Oh, which so I don't you, count. You only, have, you only have garments in there. I only have garments in here. I did not count the bags and the napkins because it would be a weirdly inflated number. Yeah. Um, that may be something I keep track of on a separate list next year, but it's but it's definitely not part of what I intended here. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know. Anyway, so tell us all about you. Well, my little part here will be um, shorter, but I did keep track of my makes. I made 98 items, which I was surprised I made that many. I thought I had kind of, you know, I, I just didn't think I made that many. That is um, amazing. Almost they were almost entirely garments. Now I did include in there like the Sandhill sling and the yeah. yeah, you know, whatever. So I did include some of those things. 13 items were for other people, which I think was pretty good for me. Um, oh, no, that's super generous. I'm amazed. I love it. <laughs> they're almost entirely for Jim, but also for my mom. And those are the only two other people I made for. Um, there were approximately, approximately one third of them were dresses. One third were tops. And then like one sixth that were pants and shorts. Yeah. Um, combined together. And then others are like um, pajamas, workout ba- clothes, etc. And I averaged 2.3 yards of fabric per make. Now, some of that is because I use less yards per garment than you do. Right. But some of it is because I make more tops and pants that use less fabric than you do. Right, like I, right, absolutely. I one third of mine were dresses, and dresses take me about three yards, generally. Right. And um, the you know tops and pants obviously require less. Yeah, for me, I was surprised to discover that I have one style of dress, the knit dress that I've been making lately, that only requires three yards for me. But that's in uh-huh. part because I only buy sixty inch wide fabric for the yeah. For the dresses. And that's the thing I'm not tracking here is how wide my fabric is, but the vast majority of mine is 58 or wider. Yeah. That's interesting. So just a question. When you the the fabric that you have above, that's fabric used or fabric purchased? That's used. Okay. Yeah. Um so I had um 29 different fabric sources, which I thought was pretty good for my uh, 100, little less than 100 makes. I was pretty impressed with that. Um, I think that's amazing. Yeah. And and that represented 41 different types of fabric. And I was like, how is this possible? But mine is like, I have um, like cotton voile is separate from cotton sateen is separate. So I, I have right. it really typed out. If I put all the cottons together, it would be you know, a lot fewer different types of fabric, but they all have different properties. And so I was pretty impressed with the variety of, cause I thought it would be like, you know, you know, mostly just linen. Um, but, uh, it, it's a lot of different ones. Um, I had 40 different designers. That is the one that blew me away was how many different designers you had. Because one different patterns. Yeah. I only had 34 designers and I made so many more things. Yeah. But it's because I go deep yeah. instead of broad. Yeah. 
So um, I was really impressed that I had 40 different designers on there uh, and 81 different patterns. So that's that's a lot of different patterns. I'm not doing as many uh, duplicates as you, of course, sometimes because, you know, maybe I don't really like it. Um, and sometimes sometimes it, uh, it's just because I get excited about the next new thing. Now, 70, I, I keep a track of whether I consider something a success or fail or eh. And so there were 79 successes, which is about an 80% success rate, which I think is pretty awesome. Seeing as like, as a scientist, success rates like 10%. <laughs> so I think, you know, my home is a lot better. And then I had 10, 10 items that I considered a fail. Now, when I consider them a fail, they were sometimes just because of fit and things like that. So not necessarily that the pattern was bad or anything. A lot of those I gave to my mom because for example, my mom's shoulders are smaller than mine. So she can have those. And then six of them were just kind of, they're all right. You know, that kind of thing. So um, my top three fabric choices were mood, domesticity and style maker. And those are all pretty similar, I think. And then, uh, which made me happy. Um, I'm glad that they're all, um, like, I'd much prefer to buy from Mood than Amazon, for example. Um, and my top three designers are were So Liberated, which is no surprise since I did the Creative Hinderland dress. And, right. you know, a lot of them were for the mat. Merchant and Mills and Elizabeth Suzanne made up my top three designers. And I'm not sure that's surprising. No, that, that all sounds, that all sounds right to me for sure. So what I did is I had to go back and count how many different patterns I had because Uh I had not thought of that. I only used 68 different patterns. Oh, interesting. Interesting. You had a lot more different patterns than I did. Yeah. I'm surprised you had 16 patterns to tell you the truth, but with the percentage of your makes that are testos, that makes sense. And I went back, I don't do meh good or bad, but I do track what's in my closet. Mm-hmm. Of my 203, 154 are no longer in my closet. Wow. Well, you know, you, part of it, things have to be <laughs> up to a, a better standard to stay in your closet because, because I make too many. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Like you don't have room. <laughs> yeah. So it's, um, <laughs> so that is the one thing I, yeah, that's the way I track it is not, was it a, cause a lot of the things that aren't in my closet were not failures. They're delightful. I just, you know. So one thing that I did not mention, and this really doesn't have, but it's tangential to sewing, but it, <laughs> it's definitely related to closets. One of my birthday presents from Jim, we have, so we have two closets in our bedroom. It's a strange layout upstairs. We have two big closets in our bedroom And then we have a closet in another room that Jim uses, but he also used one of the closets in our bedroom. And for my birthday, he moved out of one of the closets in the bedroom (laughs) and he put a bar for for things. So I got extra space for makes. Oh my God. That's amazing. I almost started crying when I saw that. That's really great. That's really exciting. We bought, this is so dumb. It's not the equivalent in any way. We bought a, one of those Z rack clothing racks that's Mm -hmm. portable to put in my sewing room so that when I evict things from the closet, (laughs) I have somewhere they can hang until I sell them. And as soon as they move, yeah, as soon as they move onto that rack, they're no longer part of my closet. They may still be in my house, but they're not, I'm not wearing them anymore. They're gone. (laughs) Well, I like that too, because, you know, you fill that up and then it's time for sale, right? That's that's exactly it. (laughs) And it arrived and, and you know how, when you buy a a clothing rack, you have to put together, you'll have the two tubes that have to come together. Mm -hmm. They're the same diameter. Oh, like one should slide has the bumpy thing on it. You're supposed yeah. to push down and it slides in there. They're the same diameter. So, so I, I had to reach it. out to the company who's going to send me new ones. And they said, well, which one's wrong? And I'm like, how would I, don't I know? know? You probably need to send both because all I know is they're the same diameter. Yeah. I can't tell you there's can nothing measure. in the writing that tells me like, but on the writing, it's not like it says, you know, 
what size they're supposed to be. It doesn't, and certainly not down to what I think would be an eighth of an inch. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm like, just send both. I'll send you them back. I mean, yeah. <laughs> and they're like, no, no, just keep them. We'll send you the bars. <laughs> so I'm still waiting for that to arrive, but I'm so excited by it because it also makes when I sell things, it's easier because I put a little marker up on the rack and as they sell, I move them over to the sold side <laughs> so oh, that when I have to go that. pack, it's so much simpler. That's awesome. So. Anyway, um, well, congrats on the closet. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> this has been a great year. Um, I think we both did really well. I actually, I was like, oh, I made 98. I sh- maybe next year I'll get to 100, but I'm actually planning on doing less this year. Yeah. Um, my word for this year is slow, and that's uh, taking me hopefully. Like I, I do want to make more bags and some of those are a little trickier and take me a couple of days to work on. And I also, um, just, this is kind of like, I'm moving away from running and into walking more Yeah. Um, just because as my body ages, I think it's healthier for me and, uh, easier on my joints and stuff to yeah. do more walking and also, uh, gets me in the woods more. So, um, I want to slow down a little bit on my, so my goal is to have less than 98 this year. Yeah. I'm, I'm honestly expecting to come in um, closer to 150 is really what my goal would be. And of that, I would expect at least 50 to be things that go elsewhere. Mm-hmm. And I still have to kind of work out exactly how I want to take things from belonging to me, things I made and giving them to others. And there's certainly going to be an amount of that. That's still sort of a closet sale because mm-hmm. I make a hundred garments for myself next year. I, my intent is that my closet stay around 40 pieces mm-hmm. and that doesn't work. So, so there's still that intent there, but I'm, I'm excited by some of the possibilities. I think more of my goals are around, around designing and trying to figure out how to take thoughts from my head and put them out where they could be sewn by others without having to do that part myself. Yeah. So that's, uh, so if you got ideas, hook me up. Um, (laughs) but I, I love it. Um, at this point though, we'd like to remind you to rate and review us new year, new opportunity for folks to find our podcast. We appreciate it when you share anything about us. Um, and I, I love it when folks share what comes to their minds when they're listening. I don't know if you've noticed those. I share them to our stories when they happen, but it's, it's always wonderful to have someone say, Oh my gosh, I was just thinking about this. And then Jen and Beverly were talking about it. And I, I love that. Um, but I guess with that, we're going to wrap up this episode, our 99th episode, 99, Beverly. 99, should, that's such a great number. We should probably plan something for number 100. Oh, do you think? I mean, I think it's possible. But in the meantime, we will see, see you, you next, next Tuesday. Tuesday. Punk Frackers is created, produced, and edited by Beverly Baptiste and Jenny Hassler. On Instagram, you can find the podcast at Punk Frackers. You can find Jenny at J.O. Hassler and Beverly at Weeds to Wildflowers. Our artwork and music is created and performed by Jim Duran. You can find him on Instagram and his website at jimduran.art.